Greetings, listeners, and welcome back aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and we're here with part two with my chat with Mr. Kelly Del Cambre. Hey, guys. How you doing? And we're going to be talking about more on superheroes and Transformers, costumes, conventions, props, and more. So stick around. And here we go. Hot dog. So after the thesis, where do things go? Well, now we're starting to get... There was a dry spell... After the costume making, I was burned out. What, what, what year was this, by the way? This is '97. Uh, We're in '97 now. '96, late '96, early '97. Um, so there's a dry spell that that took place within that time period. Um, I was working at a job, and then now, grant you, I, after this, the JSA gathering. Um, some of the people that wore the costumes liked them. I gave them to them, mm-hmm. but I still had a lot of costumes that I kept. Mm-hmm. Um, so that went into the attic. Um, years later, I decided to. Um, I, I guess we're starting to enter into this world of um, selling online. Uh, enter eBay. Yeah, eBay. You're right. That's right when it sweeps in. Um, so around this time, this eBay phenomenon is new to me, and of course, I'm introduced by this information by friends that are making a living on this thing, uh, selling their junk. And uh, a friend of mine, she was like, you, "Don't you have those costumes you want to sell? You want to get rid of? Well, just sell them on eBay. You, it's the world." And I really, I couldn't comprehend what she was saying, mm-hmm. like. The world, mm-hmm. okay. Just give me the costumes and I'll take pictures of them and I'll put them up on eBay and we'll see what happens. So she did. Um, she sold. Well, actually, there was one costume that Wizard Magazine bought from me, and that was Hawkman. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what they wanted to do with Wizard, they they. They got to a point that they were so big that they wanted to, and I could talk bad. I can I can talk, you know, about Wizard because they're no longer with us. Um, they wanted to, you know, parody. They wanted to poke fun at at, at characters, and uh, I I didn't have an idea what they were gonna do with the Hawkman costume. So of course they bought it from me. Well, a pretty good chunk of change to do what they wanted to do with it. Basically, the pictures in this guy is really. I mean, well-endowed man in a Hawkman suit pumping gas uh, and just doing, you know, silly things around town, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the picture would come and I would see, they gave my name a credit once 
And then the second time around, I called them up and I said, guys, please take my, if you're gonna continue putting Hawkman as a janitor or uh, a cheerleader or, you know, just having some sort of silly thing to do, remove my name. I don't want to be credited. So they did. Anyway, there's my falling out with Wizard. Um, <laughs> okay. In a way, yeah. But, but it, hence, before the, the before they bought Hawkman, um, I decided to enter in the costume contest with a lot of my pictures and I won first place. Mm-hmm. Um, all I got was, you know, comic book crap or swag or whatever you want to call it and um, kept that sold it on eBay um, then the, in the following year uh, I entered in the contest again didn't think I would win because you know I, I, I won one year was the odds of me winning the, the next year over well that Halloween um, here I am going through these um, these pictures these books at the comic book store and I, I was like I need to do a different comic book character someone that's unique someone that's just that's so obscure uh, that I can really sink my teeth into and as I was flipping I came across this bizarre thing uh, yellow skin green hair <laughs> red boots and gloves green and black striped trunks and this huge lion's mane on his back of red fur and just laughing like a hyena on a, next to a gargoyle. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And of course, The Creeper. The Creeper. Um, created by Steve Ditko, creator of Spider-Man. Um, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. You know, it's like, he doesn't wear a mask and he's like, the, he's like basically jaundiced running around <laughs> half naked in this, you know, just glove trunks and boots with this big red linesman on his back. So uh, I did that for a Halloween. No one knew who in the hell I was, uh, but I loved it. It was fun. Uh, did it again the next year for Halloween. So actually from 97, 98, 99, the Creeper and I, there was an evolution of mm-hmm. that character. So the Creeper became my costume that I kept for myself. I sold all the uh, Ju- Justice Society costumes on eBay made a good chunk of change for that um, I traveled um, I invested and um, I decided to start making my own um, I guess parade floats and props for um, events um, like uh, Alice in Wonderland stuff Cinderella stuff uh, very Disney-ish type of props big over glorified props so I started slowly getting away from the costume arena and this was I guess right around 1998 was a convention in Dallas Texas and it was a huge reunion for all these um, Star Wars actors uh, you know the guy played Vader the guy played Boba Fett the guy that played Bit Fortuna, the guy, you know, all these, all the R2D2, Kenny Baker, they were going to be there, Peter Mayhew. And I'm just like, well, that's so cool, I want to go. But I needed a costume. Mm-hmm. So uh, a girl that I was dating at the time, uh, we were going to go together, so we had to go as a couple. And so I had to do a costume as a couple. And as I was going through the uh, catalog of uh, Star Wars characters, I ran across the bounty hunters. And in that cluster of bounty hunters they had 
this duo team of bounty hunter called Forlom and Zuckus. And I thought, that, that, that's ideal, that's cool, but jeez, man, Z- Forlom's a robot. Forlom is basically the equivalent of C-3PO with an insect head. Uh-huh. Uh, how in the heck am I gonna do that? So, challenge accepted, did it. Awesome, it came out awesome, it was hot as hell. Um, she wore Zuckus, she looked so cute. Um, we went, we're in first place. Um, once again, eBay, so for Lama Zuckus. <laughs> so eBay is starting to create this, you know, and I know a lot of cosplayers out there that started out, you know, it's like you you make, you, you put pictures, people want it, you create product. Um, I never really had a handle on it. I'm on artist guys, not a businessman. Mm-hmm. Uh, how all that worked. I mean, I, I, I kind of taught myself into the whole eBay thing, that eBay way. Um, and, you know, there was no such thing as Facebook. There's no such thing as MySpace. The, the internet is basically, you know, for the masses. This is almost at, at, at the very... I just found out what it was. I mean, this is like 1998. Internet's been around since what, 1988 or something like that? What do you think? Uh, I mean, look from a from a populist point of view, uh, I knew of the internet from yeah, roughly 8990. I didn't start using it till about 92 okay. with the old BBS boards right. and CompuServe email. And there were I remember some basic sites. Boy, boy, you know I remember Yahoo and basic search engine, but you couldn't find stuff the way you could find. No, now. not at all. Not you didn't all. have social networking sites at all. No, right now. not at all. So uh, eBay was new. The whole networking of internet, you know, surfing was new uh, to me. That is, uh, never really to this very day. I'm not, I'm not computer savvy whatsoever. Um, I, I don't really the tool. The, the internet's a tool. I don't really use it much for entertainment, much less watching Netflix or something old from the seventies. Anyway, um, so sold those costumes on eBay, and all of a sudden. You know, your eBay is there, and you have a name connected to your eBay, and people are looking at that, and, they, and it's like you're getting feed, positive feedback, and it's like there's something going on here. So I got into model making. I started making models and painting models and selling them on eBay and doing model gigs. So model kits and then costume props became, you know, a little business that was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2000, there was another convention that I went to, and this was the first time I literally got all my friends involved in this event. And there was a convention in Dallas, Texas, and it was a reunion of the Batman 66 series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Burt Ward, Adam West, Julie Newmore, and Frank Gorshin was going to be here. I am a huge, huge fan of Frank Gorshin. Not just because of the Riddler, but the range that this guy had as an actor because of the voices that he can do and just his, his charisma and his energy. Um, and a lot of what I do with the Creeper, I kind of use a lot of Gorshin-ish of that in there to get that energy going for the Creeper, be it the laugh. Um, so Frank is going to be there. And, you know, in the back of your head, you're thinking, you know, these guys are pushing 70s, 80s years old. Um, they're not going to be with us much longer. You know, I got to, I got to, you know, it's not like I'm creating a bucket list for myself, but I just felt that I just needed to meet Frank Gorshin. So, 
I decided to make a makeshift Robin costume, Batman costume, Batgirl costume, and Riddler costume so we can take pictures. Oh, yeah, and Yvonne Craig was there, too, mm -hmm. um, to take pictures with the actors. Now, this convention wave, you know, Comic-Con was a staple. That started off in, you know, 76. And as time went by, of course, where Comic-Con is, the monster that it has become. But a ride around, you know, the late 90s is when it got a lot of traction mm -hmm. with a lot of the cosplaying. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the celebrities started coming out of the woodwork and making appearances at all these conventions. And it became a tour. I mean, these guys were touring at all these conventions. So they had the, the reunion, met Frank, I dressed as a Riddler. I did the Riddler from um, um, the cartoon. And uh, we had a conversation about his character and what he what he wanted to bring to the table of the Riddler because he wanted his character to stand out than everybody else's. Uh, but he said he felt like Caesar Romero's Joker just felt really flat considering how amped up he was because mm -hmm. it's like his Riddler should have been what the Joker should have been. Like. Hmm. Uh, so we had a small conversation. Of course, he had to do signing, so I couldn't really stay long. But I did have, um, after everything was said and done for the convention, I met up with him again, and we had a luncheon. Mm -hmm. And we talked about you know, the roast of Dean Martin and stuff like that back in the, the 70s and all the other things that he's done. And he also did uh, 12 Monkeys. Well, yeah. He played mm -hmm. the psychiatrist or one of the doctors in 12 Monkeys. And um, he was very uh, cordial, very polite, very nice and sweet. He was so sweet. Um, when I approached him up as a Riddler, he just literally like, oh, it's you again. <laughs> it's like, really, I do, do I need this right now? I guess I do need this right now. I guess I'm asking for it, right? So, um, met Frank, of course met Adam West and Burt Ward and Yvonne Craig and all those guys, and Julie Newmore, legs up to here. Um, it was an awesome, awesome moment. Now, the costumes that I made was very fast, very rough and dirty, but I managed, apparently managed to make the Batman belts look really good. So, people came up to me and they were like, I gotta have a belt like that. Where did you get that belt from? I'm like, I made it. You made it? Uh, you have a card? You have, uh, I want one for myself. So I'm like, okay. So literally at that convention with those guys walking around in costumes, it was almost becoming of a promotional tool, which mm -hmm. I had no clue. Mm -hmm. So I was taking orders for a Batman belt at that convention. Mm -hmm. Got back home. I literally take, took 16 orders. Made Batman belts. Wow. 16. Uh -huh. Made them, did the run, uh -huh. they put a down payment. I mean, they did, it, they did the whole thing. And I'm like, wow. I remember I made five back to back and I took all five and took a picture. I used that picture and put it on what? eBay. Mm -hmm. And that started up the whole like, I got to have a belt. I got to have a belt. Um, so I, I made the Batman belt. I made... I made Adam West's belt. I made Burt Ward's belt. I made Batgirl's belt. The belts were selling really well. Now, grant you guys, I wasn't making the belts like they... I, it wasn't a block of wood. It was a block of foam. Mm -hmm. It was a block... Because you have to keep it lightweight. But, but still, in a, in a sense, if you think about it, with the wood, it gives you a feel of more expensiveness mm -hmm. in that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so I did the foam. And then as time went by, I started devising a way to make the pouches functional. Mm. So I made them functional. Now, grant you, 
I'm not casting anything. I'm making all this with an X-Acto knife, vinyl, foam, wood, metal, anything I get my hands on, Velcro, to make product. Um, so the, the belts are selling, and then I get, you know, more or less a challenge from someone else going, hey, you ever made a war and crime belt from Alex Ross's art of Batman? I'm like, no, but I can give it a shot. So I did that. Boom, another product. Mm -hmm. So the Batman belts started to become a force because not only did they look like their, com their comic book counterpart, they were functional. Mm -hmm. So Batman belts in 2000 and 2001 and 2 was my bread and butter. Wow. So this is what you were doing full-time, no Full-time. Wow. Pumping out the Batman belts. But not only... What was interesting about the Batman belts is that I would get orders from people to build your own belt. Like, mm -hmm. build your own bear. Mm -hmm. Build your own belt. Mm -hmm. They would send me a picture. Can you replicate this? Boom. I would replicate it. Mm -hmm. Spot on. Send it. Love it. Done. Move on. Um, so the belt, the pouches... I was making patterns and doing different designs and of course any money that I would make I would take some of the money and put it into the project to evolve it and get better materials and, and make it a better product mm -hmm. and the belts were just it was phenomenal so anyway the belts became a staple in those those years um, would you say this is now effectively the birth of KMD artistry Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's how it all began. Actually, it was um, model kit painting. I would put. I would. People would send me their model kits, be it resin or plastic, any type of model kit. Put it together. Put it on a base. Make a plaque. Paint it, and ship it back to them. So model kit bashing or painting or whatever you want to call it uh, became my job, and prop making mm -hmm. became a job mm -hmm. for their costumes. Now every now and then I would get like. Can you make a whole costume? Mm -hmm. That became a whole nother ball of wax. That was another area, gray area because I'm only one person. Sure. Only so much time in the day. Yeah. And I, I know it goes into these things. And I'm like, can I invest in time and understanding how to mass produce something like, not really mass produce, but create something that I can create again and evolve with. So and keep the quality, keep the quality, keep the timeline reasonable, and keep the price yes, so that exactly, you know exactly. you're not eating your shirt, but they're not feeling no. like they're gouged. So it's exactly. tough. It's, I know. I understand that. So there was no, there was really maybe a handful of people doing this at the time, uh, in the early two two thousands. Um, I would get emails from other people that wanted to join forces with me. Mm -hmm to establish some sort of working and um, like use my I'm making gloves I'm making boots I'm making this I'm making and we can we can meet in that middle you know and, and collaborate now grant you a lot of these guys were great girls were great but they had a lot of prima donnas there were a lot of people that were just you know wanted to do I mean I would get asked like can I buy your patterns from mm -hmm. and of course no and of course you know the backstabbing begins um Anyway, I, I, I stuck true to what I did and basically I rode the Batman belt thing. Not only that, but I would still make costumes, go to conventions and wear them and have business cards and create a name for myself. Um, I started off as um, Once Upon a Design, 
which was basically I wanted to do the parade float and the theatrical prop making for events, be it proms or um, uh, just weddings or just any, any event that people wanted to create an environment that was just, you know, fantastical. Um, that's why I did, did Once Upon a Design, which evolved into KMD Theatrics. Mm-hmm. KMD Theatrics became a staple within the convention circuit because people started seeing my work and it grew. I would do um, Comic Con, Dragon Con, and all the conventions, and you know, I'd save. I would put money aside, and I would bring friends on onto on these projects, and I'd pay them to come with me to conventions and wear costumes around the convention floor mm-hmm. and parade around and promote. So I didn't have a table. Basically, the convention was my table. Sure, sure. So I kind of like from two thousand to two thousand one, two, three, four, and. Four, Around four is when everything changed. I remember making a Boba Fett rocket for a client back in 1999. Mm-hmm. And this is way before anyone actually ever made one. And I remember taking... Um, there was really much information out there of what Fett had to offer within his costume, like they have now, good Lord. Um, I remember taking... Uh, the VHS and, and putting it on television and taking wax paper and putting it on a television screen and tracing his rocket <laughs> on the television screen with a Sharpie <laughs> just to get information there that I could not make out in comic books or magazines or any of that stuff. So Well, you to, wouldn't have given for a screen grab. Exactly. A screen, <laughs> that was basically literally a screen grab. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a Boba Fett rocket. It came out really cool. I was really impressed with the rocket, the way it came out. Um, and parts of Fett at the time. Um, and I remember making a hobo Fett costume and meeting up with uh, Jeremy Bullock, the actor that portrayed him in Empire Strikes Back, and him like touching me all over, like, oh my God, I've never seen one like this before. No one's <laughs> ever made it like this before. Um, so that was fun. Um, so within that, that, that bracket of the early 2000s, I, I became a costume prop maker and sold strictly through the internet. Mm-hmm. And had a good fan following. Mm-hmm. Um, always, always looking for a challenge. Always looking for something new. Every time someone would come to me with a costume of like, you know, Ace from Kiss, I would take it. Or a Blue Falcon, Dynamite, I would take it. Right. Um, just anything more obscure, I would take it because, guys, I just, I got sick of Batman. <laughs> I got sick about the Dark Knight. I mean, it was just like, oh, really? Over and over again. Even I would make the cows of Adam West, which kind of evolved into cows of like um, Batman uh, by Gaslight Mm -hmm. or something of that sort. And um, what else did I do out of that? I just, the patterns, I just manipulate the patterns to make, to fabricate a different Batman mask. And then, you know, as time went, the Batman boot nailed it. The whole costume of Batman I nailed except the cow. The cow became a problem because I always looked at Batman, you know, as an adult, as, as an artist, you kind of look at something and go, you know, Batman's really, like, he's basically bald, a bald man with black with ears. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's that skin tight. You know, Alex Ross did it right. He did it 
you know, you can see when he frowns. Mm-hmm. It's his, you know, you, you see the the scowl line going on, mm-hmm. um, and it's really slick, and it's just it, it's embedded in the shadows. Um, so I wanted to like create that mask, that type of mask, but I wanted the actor or the person who would who would, who would buy my product to breathe. Mm-hmm. So I tried a manip- I tried to manipulate uh, fabric to create that look. So it was like test after test after test. And I had one client that had a lot of faith in me that was like, you can do it, you can do it. And we can't constantly throw money at the project because it was like, you're so close, you're so close, you're so close. Because he knew that once he got what he wanted, he could wear it on a convention floor and it would be like the best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, six months later, boom, we got something here. We got a mask that's skin tight that looks almost... You know, 85% Alex Ross. And he wore it to the convention floor and everybody went crazy. And we're like, where did you get this from? And of course, he kept pointing at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, it's like, where did you get And like, guys, it's not something I could mass produce like this. It was very tedious to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so effective. And I think I got on a, I, a Brotherhood of the Bat or some form of another... Um, at this time, I'm not working in promotion. Someone else is doing this for me. I had to hire two people to work with me to keep KMD artistry, you know, in flux. Mm-hmm. So I had one person handling the promotion side. So she would handle that arena while I did the art. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess she said that she, they were going to do a run of eight, and we did a run of eight mask, and that mm-hmm. was it, done. Once we did eight, never made another sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was weird because our last one that we made, the guy called up and said, hey, I ordered an, an Alex Ross War and Crime mask, but could you alter it into a Neil Adams mm. blue? Mm. I went, hmm, maybe. And not only that, but if you could, I would commission you to make a Neil Adams Batman. Cool. And of course, once again, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Done. I was so there. And so, you know, the, the Alex Ross Batman, awesome. Neil Adams Batman, the classic blue and gray. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, the guy funded that project and it came out beautiful. I've only made two of those. Mm. I've only made two. Um, so, as time went, I kind of got away from Batman and started doing, um, um, what's the next thing that I started like pumping out? So now we're floating in like the mid two thousands at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're we're in, like I would say, you know, I, I did costumes. I did like the Phantom, and I did Flash Gordon, um, a lot of the pulp stuff, just Shadow, um, Adam Strange. Uh, Adam Strange. I mean, but I did it for myself. The Phantom actually had I, I made eight of those costumes, but it was weird. Is that the majority of my? Um, and this isn't Billy Zane. This is classic. No, this is cla- classic uh, Lee Fault Phantom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting when I would get emails from these new clients. Where were they coming from? Australia. Ah. So I got to make a lot of new friends in Australia. Uh-huh. Um, now, were any of these guys asking for the uh, Phantom in purple or not purple? Not uh, red? gray. No, it was all purple. It was all purple. Everybody no one wanted purple. it in the other weird colors. No, that they no, did. Okay. not at all, not at all. But I remember getting phone calls from them, and they wanted to talk to me because they were they were an Adam Fat, an Adam Advent Phantom fan, 
And they were just so impressed about the work I did on the Phantom costume, basically basing it off of Lee Falk's original art. Mm -hmm. And they were just curious to know, it's like, I don't like Billy Zane Phantom. I just think it's, it's just silly. I just like the raw, the rawness of the Phantom. And I'm mm -hmm. so glad that you're doing it verbatim. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did a run of eight of the Phantom, and um, I think I actually sold, actually I sold one Phantom costume to a guy in Iraq. Wow. I remember that. He, he literally, he called me, broken English, and he said that, you know, you, you, you have Superman, we have Phantom. Mm. Our, our hero is Phantom. You, you Superman, you, you Batman, mm -hmm. we Phantom. That's mm -hmm. our character, that's who we like. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I, I had no clue. So it, it bring, doing those characters cracked open the world sure. to what I was doing. And the internet, of course. Oh, yeah. So I started, and okay, so that was taking place. So I decided to take a map of the world and started pinning where all my props and costumes were going. Uh -huh. And within, I guess, I went all the way back because I looked at the receipts, starting in 2000. Uh, 2000 to 2007 is where I stopped. I almost conquered the globe. Crazy. Almost conquered the globe with the work I did. At least one almost. piece per country? At, at two to three pieces per. But I mean, it can be small, it can be big. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is that where the cluster of pins were happening was California. Uh -huh. And at this time, you were not in California yet. No, not at all. No. I, did, I never, when I wanted to make the big move from where I was living, I, I'm, I'm more of an East Coast guy. Mm -hmm. I'm more, you know, New York. Mm -hmm. You know, I like New York. I like Jersey. Um, I just, I like, I, like, I like my seasons to change and see them change before my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, Philadelphia. I love Philly. But for the most part, you're based out of New Orleans at this point, right? But yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so, I um, over and the summer, over the summer, I would uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of costume making and make sure that all my clients know that you know KMD theatrics are closed mm -hmm. June and July because we're touring um, with a mural painter. I would paint murals with a professional mural painter over mm -hmm. the summer. Mm -hmm. So I did that for like four years of my life mm -hmm. so uh, within one of those um, the times that I was painting I got a phone I get a phone call from someone and the someone is an avid Star Wars collector and he was like I saw your work I like your work your work is, is phenomenal uh, would you be interested in doing a commission for me I'm like, okay, um, would you be interested in making me a life-size Tuscan Raider? Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm familiar with those. I've, I've made a couple of those masks. My mask has evolved materials. I know the way around the, the, the aesthetic around the, the, the cloth that they use. Um, and I went, sure, a statue of the Tuscan Raider. And I'm thinking, get a mannequin, butcher it up, you know, we fiberglass it. Make the wardrobe, put it on a base. You know, just I'm just thinking out of the box, like it's, it's just an over glorified model. Right. Okay. Right. So I've done models, 
I've done costumes. So all of a sudden, both of those have become, you know, your peanut butters and my chocolate. Yeah, put those two hands together. Um, now, what year is this? This is 2007. Okay. So it, it more or less became a... Um, he, he funded the project. He just let me run with it. He mm -hmm. had so much faith in what I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was awesome the way I was doing it. Um, but I was like, I'll do it a month from now. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, I'm going to get back, get back to the studio and start um, working on it. And I, I do it and I, I ship it out. You know, He gets it, he puts it together in his office and he's like, wow. You know, he, he literally has it in his office. He sends me a picture. And he's sitting at his desk waving at me. Mm -hmm. And right behind him is the Tuscan Raider with mm -hmm. his gaffy stick above his head, mm -hmm. you know, in classic Tuscan yep. attire, yep. doing his thing. And I'm like, that's freaking cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I like the way that we work. Would you be interested in doing another? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let me catch my win. Yeah. I didn't really jump into it. I just like, let me catch my win and we'll talk more about it. Um, so at the time, I'm still doing small costume jobs or tying up small costume jobs. And um, so the model kit area is starting to fade. You know, that market is starting to get saturated with other people doing the same thing that I was doing. Sure. Um, which is fine. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you're passing the torch. Um, so the costume area started doing the same thing. Now, brand new, I've been doing the convention circuit wearing costumes, promoting myself. Now I'm going to conventions and I'm not promoting myself anymore. I don't mm -hmm. need to. It's already, I'm doing it for fun now. I'm not working the floor. Yeah. But in a weird way, when I go to a convention, I like going with my friends, but it's, it becomes like, am I still working it? Because it still has all the, mm -hmm. you know, the feelings of that I'm working the floor. Mm -hmm. Now, cosplay has become an institution. It's become this huge thing. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people on the floor with my stuff that they're wearing. And I'm like, and they're checking my hand. They're, they're putting a face with the art. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a wonderful feeling. And I'm making so many friends. And I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I slowly work myself out of it. Why? Because this one client decides to say, hey, I like your work. Your statue of the Tuscan Raider came out awesome. Let's take it up to another level. Could you make me another? Sure. What is it? Greedo from Star Wars. Greedo from Star Wars. Are you kidding me? Like, grant you. I mean, it's like I get online. I look for a Greedo mask. I can't find one. Mm -hmm. you know, Don Post doesn't make them anymore. Plus, when I found pictures of that thing, it looked like a, a deflated sleeve stack. Mm -hmm. um, so, I had to sculpt one from scratch. Uh -huh. uh, but what's interesting is that my client was part of a world that I never knew about, mm -hmm. and it was high end collecting. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've worked with other clients who, who commissioned me with costumes and right. everything, and you know how much I would charge. It was it was it, it was substantial, but apparently in the field that I'm in, the art field, he literally said, "Dude." You you're you're spinning your wheels. I mean, you you got something, and we need to take it up a notch. We need to get you. You need to start taking less orders 
and making more money. <laughs> uh -huh. And I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm not I'm about because I still have people that work with me and we have a nice flow of what we're doing. We like a challenge. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, man, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, and this is after six statues. Mm -hmm. You know, I did Greedo. I did uh, a lot of Cantina characters. Right. Um, he even introduced me to other artists that I'm very fond of mm -hmm. that are Star Wars fans mm -hmm. uh, that we talk on the phone and that we talk about ideas and mm -hmm. it just, it got, you know, the internet made things smaller and smaller. Yep, smaller, yep, smaller. yep. Mm -hmm. um, so that whole world opened up with the statue making, combining models and costumes into one and that got me out of model making and got me out of costume making and into statue making. Right. And then this leads into making things like Frankenstein, The Fly, Dracula. Right. That, that became more or less, you know, I did a run, a huge run of Star Wars stuff and bust of Star Wars. And then that kind of went into another area of fantasy and sci-fi. And then when I got into the monster area, that literally is a monster area. Um, that opened up another huge um, subculture of collectors in the monster area mm -hmm. um, and the people I met and people I even know that were into this stuff um, and it's like full circle everything was basically full circle because I was into these monsters when I was a kid mm -hmm. and now that I'm older and now I'm, I'm looking I'm researching the history of their costumes mm -hmm. and why they wore what they wore and the makeup artists that did what they did and you know everything is it's over glorified because we keep seeing the same pictures over and over and over again but there's these stories behind these pictures and that you know there's something else going on here i'm trying i'm jumping i'm jumping ahead guys this client with the star wars thing literally said hey i think you got what it takes and i think you should cut and move to la and I remember him saying something of that sort and looking at the map of all the cluster of pins. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is not really where I want to go. But if the work is pulling me there and, you know, I'm thirst for knowledge and, of course, you know, the work would be there, would I have some sort of, you know, but you got to understand, there's, there's competitiveness. Mm -hmm. There's this huge thing called competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes whatsoever. Um, you know, I'm comfortable here. Um, it's flexible. Uh, I, I'm my own boss, my own hours. I have my, 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 my team working with me. And plus, you know, I would lose my team because mm -hmm. they're not going to cut and move with me back and move to L.A. Mm -hmm. So I go ahead and do it and make the big move. I, 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 I talked it out figured it out and made the jump. So get to Los Angeles and by moving to LA is when it opened up, the statue making opened up quite vast. Um, and that's when the history bestowed upon me about certain characters, be it Star Wars characters, be it monster characters or fantasy or sci-fi. Um, not only that, but it got me connected with celebrities, celebrities here that I met that are collectors that commissioned me to make statues for their collection. So it's like boom, 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 boom. And I noticed that I didn't even need a website anymore because it's like word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's starting to, you know, that that whole type of, they, 
friends would visit friends at houses and offices. They would see the art who made that. Here's his name. Here's his number. Call him up. Email him. And boom, 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 boom. It just, it just, it, it. But I'm one guy. Yeah. <laughs> you need a new team. I need a new team. So um, by moving here, I, I interviewed a lot of people, a lot, of, a lot of young, a lot of green, green artists. Um, that, you know, it, it was very nerve-wracking in a sense because I noticed that there were a lot of angst. Uh, I didn't want people to bring in their um, personal affairs or problems into the uh, the came the artistry world mm -hmm. and you know muddle it up. Uh, I mean, I, so I had to watch out for stuff like that. Um, but there were artists that came and the longevity of, of what they stayed and what they did and I'm glad they did what they did and they learned things and they, of course they moved on and they created a body of work for themselves and right. got work for themselves on, outside of me. Mm -hmm. um, I do have, you know, a, a collection of artists that are dear to me now that I call in when I need them. Uh, very faithful, very honorable, uh, highly respected artists. Um, one I will name, her name is Rachel. Um, she has been with me through thick and thin, um, and we made a lot of monsters together. And uh, we will continue to make monsters <laughs> together, believe it or not. Um, so, it, it does sound like this is sort of the, the sum of all parts, as you say. It's model making, there's costuming, there's sculpting, there's all kinds of skills that you were learning in other arenas. Yes, yeah, the, the whole thing of what it taught me is to become eclectic in what I do. Mm -hmm. I can't stay in one area. I'm not a fan of, you know, polyurethane rubber. Every mm -hmm. time I see a Batman Begins costume, I'm like, eh. mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm true to heart to the old Michael Keaton, Batman, you know, Tim Burton, Batman costume. Mm -hmm. I can give a rat's patootie about Dark Knight Returns or any, any other costume beyond that. I mean, it's cool and all, but you know, it's an original. Mm -hmm. And you know, every time I see these polyurethane sculpts of these bulky things, I just ugh. Mm -hmm. It just lacks. It lacks character. Um, it, it, uh, I don't think character. Character isn't really the word. Charm. Charm. Charm is the correct word for it. I agree. Um, there's just there's just something about it that just does not rock my world, and that's why every time I see a Batman, that's not fabricated or has some sort of armor mm -hmm. I'm like mm. so in, in, in retrospect when I'm the creeper uh, I use the creeper to get back at Batman so I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Batman mm -hmm. so be it the creeper um, I love running up to people guys in costume of Batman and taking the capes and throwing them over their heads nice and being the creeper can get away with it and turn around laughing and cackling and everybody else laughs with me because they know that I can get away with it that's what he does mm -hmm. um, so that's my kind of my revenge on the dark night uh, when I go to convention floor so I, I still do the uh, the cosplay I still dress up and oh yeah no you can't totally give that up I mean it's fun it's no mm -hmm. but it, it has become now more of like a vacation mm -hmm. because now with a lot of my friends we get perks you know it's like a tour of duty I did my tour of duty at all these conventions I um, I dressed up. I sweated. I was miserable. It was great, awesome. Now it's like we want you guys to come and dress up for morale. Get on the mm -hmm. floor. 
get the crowd going. It's like a cheerleader now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll put you up in a hotel, pay for your food, you know, your plane ticket, you know, get you out there and do it. And it's like, what? Right, because you're basically there to promote. I mean, I mean, except instead of you, you're promoting the character, you're promoting the vibe. The, exactly, yeah. promoting the vibe. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, well, you got me, you got you got so-and-so, you got all these other, other great cosplay. You know, Valerie Perez is one. Love you, Val. And... <laughs> You know, between me and her, you know, we gather up a lot of our friends and we go to these conventions and we share the experience and mm-hmm. it's wonderful. It's awesome. It's awesome. So it's kind of like, you know, I'll still do it, but as long as there's some sort of, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel and I share the experience with others. So, and I, plus helping, you know, I, I like helping everybody out with their costumes because a lot of my friends that are cosplayers are very fickled in their costume designs and... I'm just as fickle as they are. <laughs> no names mentioned. <laughs> fickle in design. There's the, there's the new t-shirt. So you're in LA. You're doing these custom-made displays, statues, costumes, uh, sculptures. I know you, often there were other artists who would do the actual maybe head sculpt um, uh, for a lot of these monsters and such. But what, uh, what, what got you further down the path into uh, costume and prop restoration? Accidental. All of it's accidental. Same thing with the statue making. That's all accidental. Um, the prop restoration became along the lines of uh, getting a, a screen-used costume from a movie and having these uh, parts on it that needed attention uh, to restore for the client. And he or she wouldn't buy it unless it was brought back to a respectable viewpoint I guess you know having the piece restored so the longevity of it would last longer and would fall apart I mean a lot of this stuff was you know in 70s or 80s the foam rubber they used or the resins they used I mean it's brittle um, the deterioration was you know clearly there and it just had to be you know restored it had to, it had to have some sort of um, seal it had to be sealed mm-hmm. and when I would get a costume, they would have these, you know, appendages to the costume, uh, being gloves or a neck that was flesh, and then I would say, okay, I'm going to restore it. Now, grant you, before I restored anything, I would communicate with fellow artists that have done it uh, and understand their approach on it. I would never dive into something because the majority of what I had, you know, the history I had in my hands mm-hmm. was, you know, irreplaceable. And I would tell them what I had. And this is how I, you know, they would give me the advice. This is how I would approach it. And, you know, I would listen, understand. And I wasn't really nervous about it. I mean, I had faith in what I did because of my skills. But every now and then it's one of those, uh, you know, pinch me I'm dreaming moments mm-hmm. like I remember seeing a movie with this in it and here I am playing with it mm-hmm. and re- actually like restoring it and bringing it back to its original life mm-hmm. uh, so I did three of those and uh, apparently you know the powers to be loved it they, they were like wow okay hey and you're local <laughs> You're in Los Angeles. Wow. There's um, a lot of restoration artists that are not local. No. No, believe it or not, they're not. Um, a lot of artists here, they, they do their, you know, they're either in 
cahoots with the industry. Um, they do freelance work for themselves, but a lot of them do, you know, you know prosthetics and, and sculpture with masks or busts. Or uh, I mean, the new the new thing that you know that's happening now. The big movement in collecting is silicon. Um, so I, I see that happening. So with the restoration part, um, every now and then I'd get a small gig and I would tackle it, and I would, you know, bring it back to life, and the client would love it. And of course, he or she would show it off to their friends, and apparently their friends had something that they needed attention, and it just dominoed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was the first piece then that you did? The very first piece that I did was a gremlin. Oh. The the oh, the finish room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a gizmo, gizmo mm-hmm. head, um, and I had to do his like his nose was gone and part of his chin and not his chin, um, his nose, part of his cheek, his ears were like just crumbled, furled in, mm-hmm. and uh, just had to you know there, there's a there's a you have to be very patient when you when you do restoration work. It's like it's it's a tension with, you know, the attitude that you have to approach these things is that you tinker on it ever so gently a day. It's not something you can just like knock out in a day. There's all these different things that have to cure mm-hmm. on it and materials that you have to use that are archival mm-hmm. uh, that won't destroy the piece or take the piece in another direction. Um, so it's patience. A lot of patience uh, needs to go into these things, and that's why restoration takes a while because the attention that you have to bring into it, and the patience, and the love. You know, there's a lot of love that put that that, that we put into these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole restoration thing—it's an accident. Same thing with the statues. It was a—it um, was one of those moments, those surreal moments. Yet again, you know, you're in Los Angeles. Here you have all these um, different things before you that you've seen as a kid. Um, it's almost like all this pop culture stuff is like knocking on my door mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, you remember me? I inspired you as a kid. Now I need your help to stay alive and be appreciated even more mm-hmm. for generations to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how restoration came into play. Everyone knows everybody within that area of restoration. So uh, collectors and uh, professional restor- restorators. Um, so I'm West Coast. I, I restore. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like I'm booked for the next year, but I do tackle small jobs every now and then. And um, I, I still do statues. Um, so, but I'm always looking for the next challenge. Um, well, but, what would you say have been some of the, um, you know, most most important or favorite things you have restored, costume or prop wise? Um, there is one that I'm incredibly proud of because of the way it was handled. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, the Fright Night Bat. Um, Mr. Um, Tom Holland, who's the director of Fright Night Child's Play, um, he bought the bat at an auction and he was in poor shape poor guy he um, was hanging upside down 
in, in this acrylic case, um, deterioration. You would think, um, you know, being in a sarcophagus would retain this rubber, but somehow, some way, air got into it, and uh, the wings on this bat just folded and, and became a whole other entity of what it was and mm -hmm. it used to be. Mm -hmm. So um, the bat was wingless. And um, so a lot of his armature was showing, a lot of his metal work was showing, um, a lot of um, cancer spots were showing on him. So Jerry the bat was, uh, was pretty sick. Um, so I get a, a phone call from a buddy of mine who was on the East Coast. And he, I don't know if he was going to do it, but they would have to ship the bat to him. But he had faith in me on the West Coast saying, wait, you know, Kelly's there. Why don't me and him talk it through via phone and approach the project together? Mm -hmm. And um, we did. And of course, that that's, I, I guess I was in, I was also... And I was looking for another person to work with me, enter Miss Rachel, and that was her first gig. When mm -hmm. she first came into my apartment, Jerry was the first thing she saw, and she, you know, her mouth hit the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knew what it was, and it was like, well, it was almost like, what have I got myself into? Mm -hmm. But, like a trooper, she dove into it head first. I said, do this, do that, please. She did it. And then, the whole project just came out wonderfully. We restored him to his, uh, his got his dignity back. <laughs> um, got, gave him, we brought him back to Tom Holland's house and um, he's up on a mantle and all his glory and he's just a wonderful piece to look at. I mean, a huge bit of Hollywood history sits there and it's awesome. And plus I got other gigs through it. So word of mouth through the industry got me more work. Yeah, I mean, you, you worked on, what is it, the, the Beast from Big Trouble in Little China and American Werewolf in London. The Wild, the wild Man. The wild American Werewolf in London was more of morale. Uh -huh. <laughs> I really didn't help the artist with it. I was just there to take pictures and oh, okay. help him out with the whole thing and morale. But Bob Burns, mm -hmm. who owns that wolf, mm -hmm. had other props that needed love. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Bob, you have anything I can lick? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> he kept teasing me because I kept my tongue hanging out mm -hmm. every time I would see something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and do this, do that. And so there was a lot of Rick Baker stuff that was hanging around. And they just put it on the table and dusted it off and, you know, restored it a little bit. Got mm -hmm. it back to its original um, look mm -hmm. with the materials that we use. And uh, that was fun. God, that, that was just such a great memory um, to do that whole restoration thing. Um, Plus being around all that Hollywood history. Sure. It was the first time I've ever been around it. Sure. You know, I'm like, I've seen this in books. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've seen this in movies. Mm -hmm. And here I am standing in it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's just another surreal thing. And it, it would never happen if I didn't live here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So that generated more work too. You know, mm -hmm. Word of mouth and also, you know, pictures that I would take. Um, so it was, a, it was an awesome experience, and, and to this very day, I, I it's fond memories. I never ever ever traded for the world. Out of all 
of the costumes that you've made, whether it be for yourself or for others, friends, whatnot, uh, what have been your favorites? Optimus Prime and Megatron. Yes, guys, I made an Optimus Prime and Megatron. We're talking classic We're talking 80s. old school yeah. 80s. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. There was a convention in Durham, North Carolina, uh, 2000, year 2000. Um, and the, the the crowd of people I was hanging around at the time, they were um, they were driven to do this convention called Botcon. And Botcon is of course is a convention to celebrate Transformers fandom, and uh, no one's ever did an Optimus Prime or Megatron costume, much less parading around a convention floor in it. And I'm like, I'm doing. I think at the time I was doing the Batman belts and I was doing, you know, I was living on the belts, living on the belts <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, small prop making and I was kind of bored. I was kind of like not being challenged and I was approached by some friends saying, hey, can you, you think you can make these uh, robot costumes? And, and, and of course it was like a bar bet. It was like a joke in a way because it's like, dude, it's going to look like one of the Megazords from Power Rangers. It's gonna look silly, mm -hmm. you know, this boxy thing walking around. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you can do it, you can pull it up. I mean, it's Optimus Prime. And I'm like, well, Megatron was not mentioned. That was me, open mouth, insert foot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, okay, if I do Mega, if I do Prime, I, I wanna do Megatron. Mm -hmm. And of course, it had to have a budget. We had to fund the thing. Mm -hmm. Was it coming out of my pocket? Right. Um, so, I didn't get paid for it. I did it for the love of. Sure. But, you know, supplies were bought. And one month, one month in a garage, I built Megatron and Optimus Prime. Um, I just took the, to the, 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 the popular toy that was given to me, and I just ran with it. Um, there was no blueprint, no drawings. I just ran with it. Mm -hmm. And what happened was you know yeah there were good times there were bad times you know i had to bring in people to help me with it you know i had to create an army of artists that were there with me putting the stuff together but they kept you know hounding me because i was such a stickler for detail they're like why does he have to have rivets <laughs> <laughs> Like, why? Why? Yeah, like, rivets make it look bulky technology. It's so cool. Rivets are cool. I mean, you take a rivet, and you put it on an object, and you put a little burnt umber paint around it, make a little drip. It looks really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> and they're like, oh, really? You gotta do the rivet. You know, why you gotta do dirt in the windshield? Why you gotta put, why you gotta do, why, well, huh? Why you gotta put that little piece in the back of Megatron's gun that you attach it for the toy? Mm -hmm. That's useless. Mm -hmm. I'm like, because people are going to point at that and go, oh my God, they made the little piece for the toy too. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's all the little finite details that they pick up on that get me going. Mm -hmm. So, um, did Prime, did Megatron, got to Durham, North Carolina. They were a hit. It was a huge hit. Um, I still own them to this very day. I mean, they've actually, they've kind of paid for themselves um, in a sense. I'm not... You know, when it comes down to the costume contest, I don't really feel obligated. I don't, I, not obligated. I don't feel, I feel, I feel wrong <laughs> to do it because mm -hmm. contests are for people that, you know, you know, I'm confident 
into doing what I do. I guess contests are for people that are not mm-hmm. confident. You know, it's like I'm gonna make this and see if, it, if if I can win with it. Halloween 2002 rolls around. Optimus Prime and Megatron's in a closet or in a warehouse. So I got some friends, and they called me up and they're like, "Dude, they're this costume contest that they're they're giving away a car, mm, a wow. car. Mm-hmm. Your Prime, your Optimus Prime costume, you win like that." And I'm thinking, okay. I've already done the costume circuit contest back way back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah. And they usually have the contest at night. Mm-hmm. This is Halloween. And everybody's liquored up. Mm-hmm. And all we want to see or everybody want to see since you're liquored up is some sort of perversion. Some sort of <laughs> some sort of demented, perverted act of something, something. And that's entertainment because mm-hmm. it's it's like what? It's midnight mm-hmm. and that's how everybody's feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, having Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. not going to happen. Right. That's just, that's that's a shot in the pan. Right. And they were so adamant, like, no, man, that's going to be awesome. You got to do it. You got to do it. What, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And of course, what do you have to lose card is being brought in. Like, ah, okay, okay, okay. And I had to go and get them out. I literally had to bring the robots to a car wash. Mm-hmm. It holds them down. I remember a guy driving up in a truck going, hey, that's that's weird. You <laughs> know, yeah, it's Optimus Prime and Megatron. So, uh, got them cleaned up, got them dried off, um, and then the next day was the Halloween contest. We get to the contest. I um, I wear Megatron, and a buddy of mine wears Prime, and we walk in, and of course the crowd goes crazy. Um, now we got in there at ten o'clock. We literally had to walk across the parking lot. Mm-hmm. The parking was crazy. Mm-hmm. And plus, when we got there, we had to have the stuff in a truck. Mm-hmm. So we took all the stuff out of the truck, got in the suit, got in our black body suits, put all the armor parts on, and started walking to the door. And of course, we had other people, you know, our handlers, yeah. making sure that we don't tumble over. Which we, I never really tumbled over in the costume to begin with because I waited the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get there. And we walk in, of course, security there, and everybody's flipping out and letting the, the, the floor like opens up like Moses in the Red Sea. <laughs> so we get in there, and uh, the lights are going on, the DJ gets on, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, like, how did the DJ do it? He starts playing the Transformers song. Nice. And everybody thought it was part of the party show. They mm-hmm. didn't think it was some random person off the street in a mm-hmm. costume. So when we got up there for the contest, we had to walk up a set of stairs which was very difficult to do in the costume. And I'm, I'm surprised. I have no idea how we made it to this very day. I guess all the adrenaline mm-hmm. uh, and the hype and the crowd and the energy. So we got up on stage and stood there and put our arms up and, you know, dun, 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 and did the Transformer thing. And, you know, Megatron, when Megatron's other arm went up with the gun, the crowd went, lost it. And, of course, you had... It was down to three different, you know, three different people. It was like the Transformers and Pac-Man. Pac-Man was cool because uh, you had people dressed as the ghost and the guys Pac-Man. And they were glow in the dark. That's cool. Um, and then you had this is so so bad. This is so bad. You had a girl dressed up as Aunt Mama. Okay. Yeah. So um, of course, but it was it was a sexy Aunt Mama. Of course. You know, with pancakes. Of course. Um, so of course, you know the crowd. It's it's more or less the judges or the crowd's noise. Mm-hmm. The louder the crowd, the better your chances to win. So of course, when it gets to us, and then we're last, mm-hmm. you know, through the roof, mm-hmm. and I can barely hear. Mm-hmm. All I hear is, yep. 
Because uh -huh. I got the helmet on. And then, you know, the winners are, you know, I'm proud of the Patreon. And there's this right in the middle of the floor, roped off, is this beautiful 2003 SUV. Mm -hmm. And they had a girl next to me jumping, 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 like, well, you won, you won, you won. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> we won. Like, right. That's all I can hear. And right. all the, you know, the music, you know, the. Doo -doo 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 -doo. I can barely, and, it's, and of course, the, your body heat yeah. is generating all this heat, and your your the goggles or the well, Optimus Prime is more comfortable than Megatron mm -hmm. because you're looking out his mouth. Mm -hmm. The mouth has a grill, mm -hmm. and all that cool air is rushing in. Mm -hmm. I try to design costumes for comfort. Thank God, and to uh, to get rid of body heat. Yeah, body heat's the arch enemy of the cosplayer. Mm -hmm. um, so. The guy is, uh, you know, my friend as Optimus Prime, he can hear. Mm -hmm. He knows what's going on. Me as Megatron, I'm deaf, dumb, and blind. Mm -hmm. I can't hear a thing. Mm -hmm. And my, uh, I can only see out of Megatron's uh, bottom lip because mm -hmm. that's where my eyes were. Right. Because the top of the eyes are higher. It's like the suit is designed at least three inches away from the actual human body to mm -hmm. make it look tall and, and wider because when I get in it, even when a person, like I'm only 5'9", when a person gets in it that's like 5 or, or 6 foot, mm -hmm. it puts you up at least 9 feet tall. Mm -hmm. So, And of course, the boots that are in it are a size 13. So if I get a person that's 6'8", in there, he's up to 10 feet. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so I'm in the suit and it's all mine. I have to take it off. And we won, we won. And of course, we won. I'm like, wow, we did win. And to this very day, I can pinch myself. I'm like, I'm still in shock over the whole ordeal that I want a car with that. <laughs> that, that just blows my mind. Um, so, won the car. And, of course, I, I just vowed I will never do a contest again. I will never do a contest again. I would never do a contest again. Liar! Mm -hmm. Next year, I, uh -huh. it, it's weird. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like, just for that two years in a row, the costume bug kind of bit me. And so another costume contest rolled around, and the and grand prize was five k, five thousand dollars. So I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do this year? What can I top Optimus Prime and Megatron? You can't really top that in a way. Uh, this is way before the movie comes out, and so I decided to be, you know, work smart, not hard. At the time, what was the hype? The Saw movies, mm -hmm. and of course everybody was loving this little puppet of a thing on a tricycle mm -hmm. and I decided to go ahead and I'll just make do it I had no clue what it was I've never really seen the movies mm -hmm. and I decided to buy a radio flyer convert it into something that I could ride mm -hmm. um, and make myself a makeshift you know jigsaw puppet mm -hmm. costume which I did got on the bike went to the party rode in everybody went crazy everybody went crazy over the fact I just rode around and rung a bell ding 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 <laughs> Didn't talk. I this year I went by myself. Mm -hmm. Like cognito, no one helped me. Just walked in here on my tricycle, put it down, rode around the dance floor, got on stage. I'm surprised. I mean, I, I remember standing up, and I can see clearly because the way the eyes were designed. I just like I'm gonna make this costume comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, I can get in and out of it fast. 
in and out of the bathroom fast. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Very crucial. And, uh, you know, just have a good time. So mm -hmm. I really, I didn't get, I didn't break character. Mm -hmm. The more I stayed on the tricycle and rung my bell, when people would talk to me, I'd just ring my bell and just <laughs> slowly move. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the people that would come up to me and just like point and take pictures with me and you're the man, you know, guys would yell, you're the man and girls would flirt with me going, I want to take you home with me. I'm like, that's kind of kinky. A little creepy. I know. I'm like, you have no idea who I, what I look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, you know, you've got the mask on. You can smell their, the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And you're like, uh. So, get up on stage. And, of course, blah, 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 jigsaw puppet. Yay, yay. And I went to the room. I'm like, what? I won again? <laughs> a what? <laughs> so, I didn't take off the suit. I remember going into the office to sign. And they were just like putting the bills in my little white glove <laughs> and I'm just standing there going, what? Cosplay paying off. Literally. So that kind of pans off in a way. So anyway, um, done, with, done with contest, done with contest. So, so let me, let me ask you something. Uh, you, you've been doing this for so long. You, you've kind of commented on this, but what, what do you feel is the, the biggest difference or change between the way costuming was saying, you know, in the, back in the eighties versus today? There's so many, there's, there's, there's splits. As of now in cosplaying, it's become, um, of course, you know, to the core of what cosplaying is all about as an adult is, yeah, you're having a good time, but there is some sort of ego. Oh yeah, always. It's, yeah, I mean, to the core, it's the ego that needs to be stroked. Um, and we all need that in our lives, I guess, for some, ex upset, uh, to be accepted, you know, be it wearing some sort of crazy looking costume. Um, but then, you know, borderline of it is to have a good time in it. I mean, that's just what it is. And, you know, when you see someone in costume, I mean, you have the people that are, are, are poke parody at it. They poke fun at it and their costumes are really trashy and really pathetic. And you can tell that they're being, you know, disrespect, to the art, because there is an art, and people work really hard on this stuff, mm -hmm. and they want to be recognized for this stuff. But, you know, if I had to give advice to people, you know, the more I find it fascinating when I see someone in costume, okay, there, there's, there, there's two facets. There's the person that puts all their time, effort, and money into it, and you clearly see it because of the quality. The other one is, the flip side of it is, you can see all the odds and ends and bits and pieces and stuff that they found at a Home Depot, a Lowe's, at an Ace Hardware store just to create this work of art that they're walking around in. Mm -hmm. Not something that they hired some professional to make using those materials mm -hmm. that are known throughout the Hollywood industry that's mm -hmm. mass produced in that sense. That's kind of, for me, that's boring. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't find any excitement in that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I like pointing out going, I can't believe you used that for that. And that's, that's pretty cool that you did that. It's just more creative. Yeah. You know, I mm -hmm. think that cosplay is better. It's more appreciative when the person for themselves creates it for themselves mm -hmm. and gets to the floor and gets that recognition, gets that praise. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel. And that's what I look for in people that do costumes. I mean, I, I see... You know, and the more eclectic and the more obscure, the more, you know, outlandish it is, the better I'll recognize it. You know, I'm just tired of Batman. 
would you <laughs> would you say that um, <laughs> would you say that um, that that's uh, your chief parting advice to beginning cosplayers be eclectic and be creative yeah always always um, think outside of the box do something different do be adventurous be brave be bold um, just you know every year there's a convention and every year it gives you a challenge to do something to up the ante to make it better you know to understand it's the same thing I did you know as I grew up understanding how to use all these things to create the art that I know now that I'm making a living out of uh, it's a journey it's huge it's vast but man the journey has so much reward in the end I mean it's something that you can look back at pictures because I mean slowly I mean you get online you know, when no one's around, you get online, come on, guys, you look at yourself in the costume and you go, damn, that looks really good. <laughs> you know, come on, that's what you do, and that's that's what you deserve to see and hear. Um, or you make a note when you didn't look good and go, okay, note to self, got to correct Exactly, that. note to yeah. self, I, I, I shouldn't have eaten that burrito. Yeah. <laughs> um, note to self, maybe the cake should have been that short instead of that much, or, you know, the color shit is off. I don't like the way the flash is hitting it. You know, you get so nitpicky about the whole thing and it just I don't know it not that I don't do it I don't I I, 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 I just look I don't I it's almost like I, I have people that do it for themselves I, I vicariously it's a vicariously thing I live through others uh -huh. so I don't nitpick myself when I see myself I'm like ah, that's it. no no I just do it how would you? How do you vicariously live through someone nitpicking themselves? That's not really vicarious living to me. That's <laughs> well, I think it's funny. Oh, okay. I think it's funny because it's so uh, anal retentive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, I was gonna say, you know, you got into this as a kid. You know, I, I like to think that a lot of this is sort of you know satiating our inner childhood. Um, have you had any standout experiences with kids? Of in course, your costume? of course, definitely. I've had. There was an incident that stands out that will be with me forever is uh, I was Captain Marvel Jr. at an event and this little girl and we we're all leaving and this little girl just um, it was I think make a wish and she came running up to me and she grabbed my hand and something weird you know kids are more um, they're, they're, they'll approach you more without a mask and without gloves if you have a glove or a mask they kind of get standoffish, mm -hmm. you know, you know, no, 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 no. That's why I don't like Batman. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so this little girl runs up to me, she grabs me by the hand, she goes, please don't fly away. Huh. And I mean, like, what? And that, that, and there was other incidents like that. Um, I played, oh. I played Santa Claus one time. Boy, mm -hmm. I looked the power of Saint Nick uh -huh. around kids. Um, oh wow, the power that man wields! Um, I, I remember the, the the kids. They would kiss my hand. They mm -hmm. would come up to me, grab my white glove, and kiss my hand. Mm -hmm. But I remember one year. One year, I did Santa and I wore black gloves. Wrong. Mm -hmm. Do not wear black gloves at Santa. Much less any gloves at all. Mm -hmm. um, black gloves is a no no. Mm -hmm. No, a kid does not like a superhero with black gloves. Batman. Um, anyway, so yeah, as car as a, as a superhero at, at conventions with children, love it. They love it. They just they want to take pictures with you. They want to grab your leg. They don't want you to leave, Mama. You know, 
kidnap him, bring me home, bring him home with me. Uh, out of all these conventions, what's been your favorite? I do conventions now um, strictly for my buddies. I like meeting people that come in from out of town for an event, um, be it overseas or just any, anywhere in the States that I haven't seen in years. Um, get a drink with them, catch up, you know, and talk about what's new with them. Um, that's mainly why I go now. Uh, maybe it's age, maybe I'm getting old, but that's basically why I do it now. Yeah, um, I know, I hear you. So, on another note of cosplaying, um, it's, it's becoming, my favorite one is Big Wow. Why Big Wow? Um, it's, Comic-Con has become a monster. Uh, we all know that. Um, it was never, when I did Comic-Con, I've been going to Comic-Con since 1994. And from 94 to 2000, and nine, I hadn't missed one. 94 to 2009, I did Comic-Con every year. I missed Comic-Con in 2010. And to make sure that I missed it, I went back home. Because I was like, I didn't want to be put in a position to say, oh, here it is, I, let me go. No, I'm done. Um, the following year, I went and it was very claustrophobic. Uh, it's just become a monster. Comic-Con has become a monster. All the other conventions like WonderCon or Big Wow or even DragonCon has become a monster. Yeah. Um, but DragonCon in itself is a whole another ball of wax. Ball of wax. Another mm -hmm. entity. It's become Comic-Con, I mean, DragonCon is um, the con for everyone because it's become more of a, it's like a Mardi Gras. It's a superhero Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more catered to the art of cosplay. Um, so you know, Comic Con's more industrial and you know, caters to the, the commercial aspect of it. But Dragon Con's become, you know, that type of uh, convention. But my favorite is Big Wow. Big Wow is, it's smaller, it's a smaller, um, smaller con. Um, well, the people I'm with, it's just, it's, it's not, not controlled, but it's just, it's gradual. It has a pace, it's smooth. Um, Everybody, you know, we get to hang out in hotels, we get to play games, we get to go to the bars, we get to... It's like it's just, it, it has its own gradual, smooth, you know, pace. Uh, so I like conventions like that. And WonderCon was like that uh, up in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. We'd drive out there and, and go to the con, and it would have that same gradual pace. Uh, Comic-Con. This year at Comic-Con had a pace. I didn't dress up this year, guys. Uh, my lady came, and we walked the floors and met a lot of people I haven't seen in years, and I saw a lot of people in costume. A lot, a lot of talent. Wow, wow, a lot of crazy talent. Um, but it just now it's become like I'm just I'm on the outside looking in mm -hmm. at Comic Con. Um, I don't even think I'll ever dress up as Comic Con again. I don't know. I can't say never, but never say never. But it, yes, it it's is just it very insane. Well, I mean, like between me and you, when you went to the Captain Marvel panel, and I was going to meet you there mm -hmm. at the two Marvels, and here I'm getting into the suit, and kind of find out does it fit me? <laughs> oh yeah. And not only that, but you know, I'm rushing to get out 
and I'm sweating buckets in this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, really? So, yeah. And then we get there, and of course, all that other BS. Yeah, happens. yeah, I know. It would, so it wouldn't have been worth it even if you managed it. Exactly. <sighs> so, but like, in, in, in hindsight, that's what I'm talking about at Comic Con, the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if I, if I would have dressed up, and I would have been like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's it has a vibe where unless you're maybe unless you're with the right crowd, uh, it, that the fans might appreciate it, but it feels like certainly the people that run it, people at the booths that maybe you figure, hey, I'm a character that I'm promoting at your booth, and they don't even care. It's that kind of apathy that I don't like about Comic Con anymore. Um, not that I guess one can really expect it, but I guess it's just you want. You want everyone to get into it, you know, whether they are the guys running the the booth or the panel or the other fans. And when you get that, you kind of feel like, yeah, what was the point of showing up to the party dressed up? Right. Actually, it's in a way, it's like uh, Comic Con is becoming the next generation. The next generation. The next wave. That next generation wave is coming in there because it never. There's a new generation of cosplay movement that's happening with that younger generation sure you know, okay i'm part of the old school generation right. of cosplay i'm i'm willing to pass the torch. i've already literally passed the torch of the creeper on to other mm-hmm. other people that portray the creeper mm-hmm. so i'm like you know i've given parts of my costumes mm-hmm. away to them mm-hmm. to enhance like get out there you yep. know creeper it up yeah yep yep do yep. me a solid <laughs> yes <laughs> what, what do you feel is the most important thing you've learned doing this what the cosplay thing everything yeah everything yeah i'm still learning of course you're still learning but so far the story so far what's kelly learned oh my lord what have i learned so far i've learned to keep your eye on the balls because <laughs> you'll never know where that foot is going to come to kick them <laughs> <laughs> Like a translate to watch your back, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's like, you know, you go, keep your eye on the ball, that one ball, mm-hmm. like focus, mm-hmm. just keep it straight and just like right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I got many balls on my table, not just one. Okay. You know. All right. Always got to have an ace in the hole. Okay. Um, no, man, I just, what I've I learned, I've learned that it's been a roller coaster ride. You, you with, learn, with, you, no, <laughs> with no padding, with no protection. You've you learned not to jump off roofs. Uh, well, no, 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 I won't do that anymore. <laughs> actually, actually, I, da, 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 for a birthday party for my, uh, for my cousin, I, I jumped off a wall as Batman. Nice. Uh, and, of course, having poorly insulated shoes or boots that did not absorb the, uh, the impact, the yeah. shock of my, my, you know, my cape opening up. Dun dun dun! Batman's on the roof. Oh no, Batman's on the wall, and the wall's not that high either. The wall was about maybe four feet to five feet tall. Mm-hmm. I'd say four and a half feet, give or take. And I, but it was the fact that when I jumped off the wall, mm-hmm. it was a very Batmanish jump. Yeah. And then hitting the ground. Yeah. On solid cement, mm. and that pain just cracked my heel and went straight up my leg, mm. and my cape folded under. I looked at the little guy from the prison. I'm like, "Happy birthday!" <laughs> no, it was like, it was like, like all the kids were pointing, "Batman, Batman!" Of course, you got the sticks and the cape to really get the yeah. cape really out there. Yeah. 
you jump, and you land. And the cape comes down, you turn, you look, and you go, Happy birthday! <laughs> <coughs> and just fold under and just disappear. You know, and everybody's like, where did he go? Where did he go? And there was like, he's Batman. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. And boy, did I have to go. Yes. My foot swelled up like a balloon, man. God, I was pissed. I've never gotten out of costume that fast in my entire life. I can believe it. I mean, I just wanted, like, gloves, ears, cape, you know, everything was just flying off of me just to get out of that thing and just like, get it. I don't want to see. I don't want to look at it. I was put it in a closet. Get it away from me. I got other problems. <laughs> Scott, as Adam West's Batman, that I like that. That's refreshing. That's that's amazing. That's it. <laughs> you, you'll get off the train now. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> pull the cord. Pull the movie's cord. <laughs> Change. Stop this crazy thing. No, I'm, I'm I'm so done. So done. No more Batman, guys. Sorry. <laughs> not even a statue of Batman. <laughs> No, not even a statue. Actually, recently I just got like um, a proposal to do a statue of Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh. with all the parts yeah, yeah. from the film. Mm -hmm. And the costume's amazing. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. This thing's like so complicated. Mm -hmm. It's like magnets. Yeah. It's put together with magnets. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, ah, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. You know? Chill. Uh, <laughs> like, ah, oh, uh, Batman again. So yeah, me and Batman have a love-hate relationship. But I still have my amigo up there every now and then I stick, you know, he's like my voodoo doll. Understood. Um, <laughs> well, uh, we're just about out of time, so I want to end with the Frank Gorshin laugh. You want me to do the Frank Gorshin laugh? Of course. Okay. Uh, three, two, one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Kelly. You're very welcome. Uh, pleasure talking to you. And we'll be back with more Costume Shop Talk here at Costume Station Zero.